0: If you're new with us, we've been walking through Isaiah and the promises that were found uh, in the book of Isaiah about our Messiah, about Jesus. We are going to be in our last one here this morning. So let me read for us in Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13. And we'll go on through uh, Isaiah 53. It says this Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Before him, like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as one whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. And we carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering, and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be acquainted with righteousness, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me, church? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this promised one that has now come in Christ, the one that bore our iniquities, that took our shame and guilt and was our great substitute. And so, Lord, I pray that just as we were filled with joy at the singing of these wonderful children, Lord, would your word fill our hearts and minds with great joy at the Messiah that has come and that did what we could not do for ourselves, that counted us transgressors, sons and daughters of the King. Give us eyes to see, and hearts to believe the truth of your word in a world that is swayed to and fro with so many other things. Anchor our hearts now to your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, you may have a seat. Uh, Merry Christmas. So glad you are here with us at Risen. It is a joy to be with you all. I must say, um, I've never seen so many people sit on the front row, so this is wonderful. Um, <clears throat> So I guess this is what it takes. No one sits on the front row normally. So this is great. If you get their kids to sing, the front rows fill up first. So that's, that's awesome. So thank y'all um, so much for being here in this Christmas season here at Risen Church. Well, uh, if you're new with us, we, like I said, have been walking through Isaiah. We've been journeying through uh, uh, many different passages through Isaiah's prophecies. And we've been looking at how they point us to the Savior that we all celebrate in this season the Savior that has come as a baby, who has come as our Messiah and Lord. And so Isaiah was written about 700 years before Christ's arrival. And so these descriptions of Christ are remarkable. These descriptions of Christ are amazing. And this is our final look in uh, the book of Isaiah Uh, next Sunday as we celebrate our Christmas Eve service. We're going to be opening up in the New Testament to read of his arrival. But today we're looking at Isaiah 52 and 53, and they're the famous servant songs of Isaiah, the prophets. There are four servant songs. This one is the most famous by far. It is what is called the Everest of Scripture of the prophets, some would say. Some would say it is um, the entire Bible in a chapter. Some would say it is the gospel of the Old Testament. And it would be impossible for me to exhaust all that we just read about here this morning. As the old preacher saying would go, uh, if I tried to exhaust all that we just read, I would exhaust all of us in here. So I'm going to try not to do that. We could spend weeks in these glorious words that we just read. But what I'm going to try to do, if you remember Zach preached last week, he talked about prophetic literature and how we're to read it, that uh, when you step back and you look at a mountain range, you see the glorious mountain range. But as you get closer, you see all these peaks and valleys that make up the big range. And so we're not going to dive into every single peak and valley because there is so much here that the Lord gives us. My goal here this morning is to get us to um, just be in wonder and awe at what has just been given to us. At Christ, at the one who has been sent to us, the one that 700 years before the prophet Isaiah said, this is the one to be looking for, and this is what he will accomplish. And so I want us all to appreciate the mountain, so to speak, that which God has given. Um, And church, this is one of those passages that we will never tire of. This is one of these Uh, servant songs that we will ponder uh, for the rest of our Christian lives. Uh, We will think on it, and we can never exhaust its depths. It's amazing, and it really does, in the most beautiful of ways, bring together both Christmas and Easter. 700 years before he comes on the scene. It's remarkable, and we are reminded in this passage that Christmas is good news. Christmas is good news because Easter is true. Amen? This text has literally saved thousands of souls through the ages. And there's no reason to believe today it cannot save and do its saving work today. In fact, we read about one of the very first conversions to Christ through this text in the New Testament when you read through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, we're given, it's, it's the journey of the formation of the church in the book of Acts. Uh, we have this example of this Ethiopian gentleman who's reading from the scroll of Isaiah and Philip gets in a chariot and he, and he encounters this man reading from Isaiah 53. And Philip is this great evangelist. And he asks this Ethiopian man, he says, do you understand what you're reading? The text that we just read together earlier do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? It's like the soft pitched lob that we all want our non-Christian friends to ask us, right? It's like, this is the moment we all just are dreaming of. And of course, Philip takes this opportunity to explain the gospel to this Ethiopian man. This man is saved and the gospel then goes to Africa quickly where it begins to spread and churches are planted. And the gospel and the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ goes forth in Acts because of Isaiah 53. God has used these prophecies about his son to save many. 700 years before Jesus in the incarnation, yet we read these and we encounter Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 and it's as if Isaiah is kneeling at the foot of the cross looking up at Christ as he pens these words, because all of it was fulfilled. All of it came to pass. Now, uh, throughout the centuries, there's been some debate about who this servant is. Who, is. who is this servant in Isaiah 52 and 53? To me, there's no question about it. The New Testament writers answer that question for us. We don't have to guess. Uh, we realize that, uh, for one, like I just said, in Acts chapter 8, And there's also some 85 references in the New Testament to Isaiah 53. All of them pointing to our glorious savior, Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the world, who is this suffering servant. Now, what I want us to do uh, here this morning is I wanna walk through, really, this is a poem. I wanna walk through this poem. I wanna see a little bit about how it's arranged if you're a grammar nerd and a structure nerd. which maybe there's a few of you in here, you can dive into that. It's written a chiastic structure. I don't have time to go through all of it because I don't think we'll have time to really go through this entire uh, book and view it in that light, but I'm gonna separate out in three sections. But if you really wanna go back, uh, study Isaiah 53 and its chiastic structure and it'll bring a lot of beauty to life in this narrative and this story and the way that it's written. So, But what, how we're gonna look at it is we have three sections for our time here this morning. The first, you have the success of the servant. In the second section, we have the scorned servant. And then finally, we have the substitutionary servant. So first, the successful servant. Jesus will suffer. And all of his sufferings will produce a benefit for those who come to him by faith. And this is a remarkable way. I know that uh, 52 and 53 are separated, but Isaiah 52, verse 13, is really where this poem begins. And so this is where.